1: <laughs> anyway, we got a nice crowd out here. It's a beautiful day. It's going to be a little hot later, but they've got the uh, the Juke Joint Festival going on in Clarksdale. And uh, I'm at the cooperative. It's a garden center's co- cooperative seed. Uh, so it used to be Dale, Miss Dale's.
0: Collective seed.
1: What did I say? Cooperative. I mean, cooperative. <laughs> cooperative. Okay, well, we're, we're working on this together. We're cooperating on this. The cooperative seed. No, the collective seed. If you're in Clarksdale and you find your way down to the main drag with the Blues uh, Museum at one end and grounds Ear at the other end, the collective is at the other end. And it's such a cool, it's an old-style place. Back you know, back, back when people had to go into town to buy seeds and fertilizer and plants and all. But they've got some really cool plants that were not sold when I was a kid working in garden center down in Indianola. And uh, me and Java and all the folks at, at uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we're welcome to join our little party here. I did bring my truck down here, and uh, I, how many of y'all have seen my truck before? Okay, so y'all know that I've been driving this thing a long time. Well, it it, it it's looking a little bit ragged right now because we had a bad winter. And people say, "Oh, the winter bothered it, it, killed my plants." Well, it killed some of my plants too. The rosemary in this truck is this is the seventh rosemary. Sort of like Doctor Who, every few years it has to regenerate. But, uh, I've, you know, sometimes plants die, you just dig them up and you replant them. And if you have to do that more than two or three times, you think about putting something else in that hole, you know. You know they, so what I've done over the years, i found plants that'll take the sun, that'll take the cold, that'll take the heat, that'll take the drought, that doesn't have a bunch of problems with insects, that looks pretty, and I mix them all up with shapes and textures and sizes and uh, it, what happens is when you have different kinds of uh, agaves and herbs, I've got rosemary and oregano and uh, mint and basil and uh, parsley. I could eat roadkill from this truck if I needed to. But the, the, the trick is by mixing it all, and it's just in a box. It's just a box full of dirt with some plants in it, okay? And if something dies in a garden like that, nobody can tell. So you just pull something out, stick something back in the hole. So when people say, I'm doing a raised bed, I'm not sure how to do it, I say put it in, don't leave any dirt showing, stick stuff all, what, what I call every which way, if you're not from the south, figure that one out. And what you do is you just put stuff in in whatever way you can can, can stick them in, and some of it's going to die. Some of it's going to harvest. This is gardening, whether you're talking about a whole landscape or you're talking about a box, uh, or maybe you just have a, a pot on your patio, It's not hard to garden. All you need is some sun, some soil. There I said soil, which is French, by the way, for dirt. And dirt is English for soil. But, uh, you know, and and guys, you know, when I'm I'm overseas, it's hard for somebody from the Delta to say soil. I don't even know how to say it right. So I just say dirt. Anyway, you stick stuff in a pot, you water it a time or two, and you take it from there. So, Java, you ain't got a a – how you doing, man? I'm busy, man. <laughs> you're busy. We went out. I know why you're busy. We went out last night. We did. We had a good time. Um, we, we did a crawl is what we did. A mini, mini, crawl, mini <laughs> a crawl. mini crawl. <laughs> mini crawl. Uh, anyway, if anybody has any questions, anything you want to talk about, gardening, anybody here in the crowd, we've got a microphone. Ooh, I, I don't know where it is. There it is. I'm going to walk over. If anybody has anything you want to yak about, come on, let's just do it. It's a cooperative effort. Did I say that? No, no. It's a collective Effort to cooperate. How about that? So uh, anyway, one of the things that 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 uh, I wanted to mention this time of year, we always think about planting in the springtime, and everybody said, "Well, is it too late?" Well, North Mississippi, it's time. South, it's time in Mississippi to plant stuff so for the summertime. Uh, a little bit late for cool season things like sweet peas and potatoes and all, but this is the time when you start putting uh, peppers and basil and uh, tomatoes. And uh, marigolds and zinnias and stuff like that out there. It's also a good time to, if you had a lot of damage to your shrubs, a lot of us did, to prune plants. Uh, a lot of people have been sending pictures in of of uh, this weird thing that's happening to their to some of their softwooded plants, like figs, where it, it's, it looks like little pieces of, of toothpick sticking out of the tree. It's a type of sawdust and it sticks out like a toothpick. There's a boring insect. It's a borer that goes in and it kicks sawdust out. And almost always, that indicates some kind of really serious injury like wintertime. Happened to my fig, happened to my bay laurel. I cut them down almost to the ground, and they've already sprouted back out. So anyway, we got a question here, right? Yes, ma'am. With the
2: weather we've had here in Clarksdale and everywhere else, I see where a lot of people have lost their gardenias, their figs, and things like that. Well, I still have some green on my,
1: on my gardenia bush. Yeah. So I've trimmed it back,
3: but I see no leaves or anything. And people say, just wait, just watch it.
0: Yeah, well,
2: I've been watching it a while, and it still looks dead to me almost. <laughs> Is there
3: any chance, you
1: think? Here's what you can do. First of all, if you scratch the bark, scratch right. the bark, and if it's bright green right under the bark, it's alive. And just wait. If it's not bright green, scratch further down and further and further until you find green and cut it off there. Okay. And it'll sprout back out. But well, you know, it takes uh, two or three, four weeks or so for plants to sprout out when you prune them. And they've just been pruned real hard by a bad winter. So just give it a so look for, for green tissue right under the bark. And if you're not sure about that, practice on some neighbor's plants. Okay. <laughs> but it'll be bright green right under well, the bark. That's the green. That that means that part's alive. And just give it give So it a trim jump. it a little more. That's what I'll do. Or, or, or just wait. Just wait. <laughs>
0: I'm not very patient with plants. I like to see color and...
1: I'm I'm not real patient either. Uh, I can't grow stuff from seed because it takes too long, and sometimes it doesn't work. So I'd rather come to a place like you know the collective and you know get stuff that's already growing. You know if you're gonna grow hundred plants from seed and only forty of them make it, I'd rather go ahead and just buy the forty and not waste the others. Yes, ma'am.
2: Um, I'd like to
4: know where your love of gardening comes
1: from. Where's my love? First Of all I'm not a good y'all can say I'm not a good gardener. I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a dumpster diver of a gardener, and uh, I started out in the delta. My my mother was a gardener. My grandmother had a concrete chicken. Y'all see Granny's chicken? Hey, get, yeah, give a shout out to Granny's chicken. <laughs> this chicken has been all over the place, and uh, I mean been been everywhere. But Granny had a concrete chicken and some zinnias in a clumpy monkey grass, and she loved them. That's what she did. Her zinnias. Um, but across the street from her, her mother-in-law get the tension between these women zinnias concrete chicken her mother-in-law my great grandmother was a horticulturist who had 350 different kinds of daffodils and all this other stuff you know she was a big garden club lady and um both of them had different approaches one was a collector and experimenter tried different things took notes kept records one just had a concrete chicken and zinnias uh, and i learned that that for my great grandma horticulture that attention to detail and pride in workmanship and taking notes and and remembering stuff and moving stuff that's all horticulture that matters but granny just has zinnias and she loved them as much as anything else so I learned about the love of gardening about simplicity from my grandmother and her concrete chicken I learned about the details from my great grandmother now by the way when I was driving up here yesterday uh through the delta t- you know took in s- some back roads <laughs> and there's some b- there's some back roads that, that doesn't have Cell reception. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. While I was driving down there, I noticed in the ditches two things, and I'm holding this up for y'all. Um, uh, Java and I might, I don't know who will post a picture of this. Uh, but one of them is really faint little pale blue things. Can y'all see these little blue fly? This is called Amsonia. It grows in all the ditches in any direction from Clarksdale. It's down the wet areas of the camp mo. This little blue, called blue star or Amsonia, uh, and it grow in areas that stay. Soggy, stinking, blue mud, wet, and then hot, dry, cracked open in the summertime with no care at all. It's one of the top ten garden perennials in Europe, and it grows in ditches in Clark around in the delta. How many of y'all have this in your garden? It's amazing. It's all you know. They, they buy it for ten dollars a plant in England, like ten pounds a plant. Anyway, it's called Amsonia, and look at it. It's got a little thing. Now you you need to watch out for the for the mud and maybe a snake or two. But it's not protected species. Go and dig clump up, put it in your yard. Amsonia your blue star. But this other thing is a daffodil. Okay, have you, have, have, it's, each flower has got two, each stem has got two flowers on it. It's called two sisters. It dates back to the early 1700s. It and it's fragrant. It blooms in ditches in the delta. It comes with my great-grandma, 350 of her daffodils. There's only two dozen still bloom. And this one. this is the latest blooming daffodil. Anywhere, so if you have uh, paper whites in December, January, and this in April, you can have four or five months of daffodil Anyway, two sisters heirloom. They sell for about four dollars a piece. Now, I'm not gonna tell y'all where I saw, but it's along Highway Eight, and I <laughs> and I'm coming back for some of them. See, so anyway, my, my also I learned to love uh, uh, my gardening because it's fun. Uh, when I was a kid in California. Had a beach ball landed on a on, on a, uh, a cactus. My mother taped up every little hole in it, but I'll never forget that cactus that ate my brand new my, my, my beach ball. See, so I learned about the dangers of horticulture early on. So it, it's all accumulated. Plus, uh, horticulture didn't have to have much math, and I flunked out of Mississippi Delta Junior College because I'm not good at math. So, did I answer the question?
0: Java, what's up, man? let's talk to um, Beverly in
1: Edgeville. Beverly, where is it? Edgeville? Where is it? Egg, no, Eggville. E-G-G, like the Easter egg. Eggville. It's outside of okay. Tupelo. Okay. Well, what's going on this morning? Well, I bought a property that
3: had like two or three acres of lawn with it, and so I took your advice and turned about an acre of the lawn into a refuge for butterflies and bees, and we kind of curved it so it looked like it was on purpose while we weren't mowing there. Uh, and the first year, first year and a half, it was great. I had a nice meadow, but now my meadow has kind of turned into a forest. I've got pine trees growing up. I've got all kinds of things growing up. It's about four, five feet tall, some of them. And my cousin said he would bush hog it for me this spring because I was going to plant sunflowers. So my question is, in Mississippi, if you turn part of your lawn into a meadow,
1: well I have to bush hog every year. <laughs> well, first first of all, I'm not gonna try to get technical, but there's a thing called plant succession. And you look around okay. not doing anything, and what is the predominant species in the Mississippi in the southeast is trees. We live in a deciduous and and conifer forest. That is where everything heads. So when you create a lawn, basically you're starting it over from scratch, like turning the etch a sketch upside down, right? And what happens yes. is you plant grass, and the first thing that happens is grass looks great, but then you get seeds from, from birds that are blown in from the weeds and become little wildflowers. And then you start getting shrubs, and then that attracts more birds and squirrels and stuff, and they bring seeds in. And you start having trees. Everything is headed towards the forest. The reason they have a lot of pretty wildflowers in Texas because nothing else will grow there. Okay? <laughs> So what happens is we're always trying to bail out this leaky boat. We're trying to keep things at a level of succession that makes us happy. Lawn is the lowest level. It's the highest maintenance. Wildflowers are the next step. And by the way, that's where flower beds fit in. Flower beds are artificial prairies, artificial wildflowers, that we just choose the flower. So they're the next step towards succession. And then you got to weed flowers or else you're going to get oaks and pines and stuff like that. So what I would suggest is having bush hog part of it, in big curves and that way it always keeps it at that earliest succession and the next year you'll have wildflowers and you know they do it a little at a time like they do along the natchez trace, they mow every other side of the natchez trays every other year that way they always have something coming on and uh and also some nice lawn in case you have to pull over so yeah you can have to keep the you gonna have to keep nature at bay you can have to mechanically yeah. control other nature yeah Ooh, that's my neighbor. Negative. Yeah, my
3: neighbors were asking me, you know, the guy that you hired to mow your lawn—is he just getting lazy or something? It's like no, but yeah, like I couldn't believe that within less than three years I've got pine trees like three feet tall. It's just amazing how quick it it went back, as you said, yeah. To the forest, uh, well,
1: so. this it, also positive. It shows that nature can heal itself real quick. So what I was just yes, have having you know, you know, you know, a solid field full of sunflowers is just as boring as a solid field of just grass. So why not have a little of both? Have them do some curves here and there and some plots and, and have the sunflowers grow in groups and swoops and sweeps and stuff like that. And, um, you know, in other words, mix it all up. Don't try to keep it all monocrop. Put your bench okay. out there, some birdhouses on a stick, make people think you know what you're doing.
3: Well, we did. It just it just. Okay. I, we did all of that. It just it turned back, like I said, to a forest so much quicker than we had any idea. So like you said, it kind of... Okay but it does revert back very
1: quickly well yeah. I, okay i don't want to get argument, but let me wrap this over this kind of every morning i get up and I have to decide whether to the these little hairs that keep coming on my face <laughs> and about once a month i have to have a good plucking around my ears so hair and facial hair ear hair and wildflowers need to be tended from time to time <laughs> appreciate your call this is the Gestalt approach, folks. By the way, you know. And here's here's my philosophy: if you can't fix it, and in, in order of importance, if you can't fix it, flee it or fight it, flow with it. And that's straight out of the '60s. Y'all are welcome. Y'all are welcome. Me and Java Chapman and the folks at MPB, and uh, and again, I want to thank John Cox from here in Clarkdale for supporting us and and uh, and and providing some of the refreshments over here. Y'all wanna come over and get you a biscuit or something that'd be great and i got a whole bunch of folks here who realize now that i'm really a lot taller and smarter on the radio than in person (laughs) i'm just trying to have a good time you know life is so short it's not too short but it's real short and uh, i i promote gardening now i'm a horticulturist horticulturist is goal-oriented yard of the month filling the freezer uh having a, a, a nice flower bed attracting pollinators if there's a goal involved all these little nuances and tricks and tips help you get there more efficiently. But horticulture is product-oriented, goal-oriented. Gardening is process; it's the trip, it's the road. We don't care if we never get there. I plant tomatoes every year in my garden, knowing they're not going to make tomatoes. They're not. I, I can't. I can't grow tomatoes. I can grow herbs in a box in the back of a truck, but I can't produce tomatoes. But I plant them anywhere because it gives me hope. You know, it's something to do. And sometimes they'll make a little green tomatoes, and before they have a chance to die, I take a Sharpie pen and put smiley faces on them. <laughs> and, and that sounds kind of weird, but I'm enjoying what I have, the here and now, here and now. Uh, we like to, I like to say gardening is like, uh, some people say the glass is half full, some people say it's half empty. I'm thinking, isn't it a marvelous vessel? And you can put coffee in it. So anyway, Uh, Any questions about gardening, give us a call. Uh, You need to – who's got the the microphone? Uh, uh, Over here. This lady right here has got something she wants to talk about. While she's doing that in Clarksdale down at the collective collective seed. I kept saying cooperative because they mean the same thing to me. Collectively we get along. But anyway, they have some terrific plants. I even saw some Peggy Martin roses over there. Peggy Martin Rose, you know everybody says well, I can't find any Piggy Martin Rose. Well, I'm surrounded by Piggy Martin Rose in pots, ready to be hauled out of here. They also have some good herbs. Now, yes, ma'am. You got a question?
2: Okay, I, I'm with you on the tomato plants because I'll, I, my garden, I have two uh, four-by-eight raised beds and almost all tomatoes because I'm, I have this hope that I'm going to actually have a lot of tomatoes too. So, should I plant flowers so they'll get pollinated? What am I doing wrong
1: here? Well, that's a good question. Tomatoes are self-pollinating. You know, the wind shakes the pollen loose, and you know bees are working. But uh, you know, if, if every now and then, if you just thump them, you know that shakes the pollen loose. But you know, I just said I can't grow tomatoes, and you're asking me how to grow tomatoes. <laughs> it always helps with, with tomatoes um, to to mix of stuff other with it. It's not natural for these plants to grow them by, by themselves. You have to to fertilize, and you know, without overdoing it and all that. But it 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 helps not only to attract pollinators in motion, but I think that there's something, and this is, again, right out of the 60s, I think there's something in the air that when you get plants together, they all make each other feel better, you know. But a few zinnias, put some basil in there. That way, if your tomatoes don't make it, you got basil, you know. And you come to the farmer's market and get tomatoes. But, uh, no, mix stuff up. That's the thing I tell people all the time. Farmers plant in rows. If you're growing corn or peas or sweet potatoes, grow those in rows. But if you're growing uh, a few tomatoes and peppers, put some basil, put some, some, uh, some angelonia. I don't know if y'all can see, but there's a tall plant over by that in uh, on, on this first bed. Angelonia is one of the toughest summer-blooming plants I've ever seen. I've got one in the back of my truck, and it won't get watered all summer, and it'll still be here this fall. So mix stuff up. That way, if something produces, great. If it doesn't, you got other stuff. Okay. Any other questions, Java?
0: Uh, we got a few call- phone calls if you're ready.
1: That's what we do, man. And Java, I appreciate you sitting there in the sun.
0: Well, you know, I'm just a humble, hum- humble worker, man. There you um, go.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> let's go to John
1: in Starkville. Morning, John. Good morning, founder. Howdy, and and it, good morning it, to the folks in Clarksdale. Yes. Uh, this
5: <laughs> John Herring, my wife Dawn went to school with you at Mississippi State.
1: Okay. Oh, I know Dawn. Yeah, she was in horticulture. Yes.
5: Oh, okay. yes, yeah, horticulture, and we had a, a garden center oh, wait, and wait, a no, landscape wait, operation. Wait. Anyway, we were we were in Clarksdale several weekends, helping a friend of ours do some things there, and I bumped into an operation that harvests yopon foliage from a native yeah. yopon tree and makes For tea out of it. Yep,
1: yopon tea.
5: Which I was not aware of, and it is the—I'm not asking the question. I'm giving you information. Um, It is the only source of caffeine that is native plant in North America. Wow. So I, I couldn't believe that the folks in the Civil War were not aware of that and used it as a coffee substitute.
1: Well well first of all, during the Revolutionary War we did that. It's always been done. We've always made do. It just it, it didn't make it commercially because it wasn't regular tea. But no, we we I mean we learned that from the Native Americans, the Chickasaws and the Choctaws did that.
5: All right,
1: all right. It wasn't commercial though. Uh,
5: they, they also learned it in Argentina and they called the, the hot tea they drank there called mate. But like right. I have made it as, as hot tea as well as iced tea.
1: Well, you know, the nice part no. of that, I don't know about mate, but yopons are one of the toughest plants you can put in your garden. The, good oh, native yeah. plants. native. All yeah. righty, ma'am. I appreciate okay, that. that's what, what I, I had for you. Good talking with you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: All right, let's go to uh, Jesse in Oxford, Nix.
1: Hey, Jesse, what's going on, man? We just went from we went from the Bulldogs up to the whatever you call yourselves now. Rev? No, it's the it's the it's the Black Bears or something like that. <laughs> uh,
6: I'm not I'm not part of those land sharks or anything. I don't know what they are now. There you uh, go. What's but at least, at least you're not was, the uh, Yeah. Um. My question is. Uh, I've been working on uh, building a peach orchard and all that. I've talked to you a few times about it. Uh, right now I just planted another breed of, uh, of, uh, peaches out there. I think it was called Georgia peach. Then I also have one. I think it's, uh, Elizabeth or Ezabeth peach. And I was wondering, yep. will all those different breeds of, uh, peaches, uh, compete with each other or will they all help each other out? Cause I got all self-pollinating, uh, peach trees. Well, it,
1: yeah. Pol- Pollen doesn't affect the, the peach itself or the squash or the melons or anything. Cross-pollination just affects the seeds. So unless you're saving seeds, it's not a problem. They all help each other. A lot of peaches do better like blueberries. You can grow blueberries with just one plant, but they produce more berries, and they get pollen from a different variety. So it's actually a good thing. But you, there's, there's, there's no competition out there. They all get along. Okay. And
6: uh, my other question was, uh, I just heard you talking about tomatoes. Uh, was it the flower that they say helps real good with uh, tomatoes and I think kills worms, uh, miracles, or... or uh, oh. I can't remember which one that is. They said plant them with uh, tomatoes uh, and it uh, helps them
1: uh, out grow. Hang on, Jesse. Companion planting is a really popular, widespread, deeply embedded myth. I'm real serious oh. about this. It works in other climates, but here in the South, uh, you know, just like, you know, that was... This plant repels mosquitoes. Well, I see mosquitoes on it. You know, and marigolds have never repelled insects. If you grow them and till them into the soil, they will help repel nematodes, but they actually attract spider mites to the garden. This companion plant, you do it because you want to attract pollinators, because it's pretty, because you can use them for other things, you know. But as far as companion for helping with, with, with worms and stuff, almost pure myth. And uh, nobody wants to hear that. I don't even like saying it, but it's true. So plant stuff because it's pretty, not because okay. it's going to uh, replace it.
6: Plus, by the day when I was putting some of my compost from my uh, animal pens and uh, with my tomato plants when I was uh, uh, making my soil and all that, you should have seen how big some of those earthworms were coming out of some of that manure and all that. And hopefully they will do great because it's mixture of hay, straw, manure, uh, pine shavings. And all that, I mixed my bins and, and all that,
1: and F on my throat. And it's got a lot of worm poop in it, too. By the way, we, yeah. we have this uh-huh. thing called Gen Trash. It's really cool stuff. Maybe we got somebody here who can talk about that because I saw a pile around the corner. But uh, no, uh, compost, uh, a lot of people, I work with Rodale Press, the organic gardening people. I got the little Rodale Press pen that said, I made compost in three weeks. I turned it aerated, bioactivated, and carbon nitrogen ratio or all that stuff but now i have a pile and some folks have seen it it's just a pile of stuff on my driveway i throw banana peels eggshells i blow leaves there whatever whatever i put a dead raccoon in it okay and, I, I'm, and I'm not making this up and now you can scrape the top layer of leaves back and within three inches you have the richest darkest crumblest, big earthworm filled compost you have ever seen and i don't do anything except just pile it up so the more stuff you mix up the better it's going to work But anyway, uh, good luck on you. I'm assuming you've checked Mississippi State on good varieties because you're in North Mississippi and some variety of the peaches will bloom too early and lose your crop every year. So you know about chilling requirements and all that stuff? Hello?
0: I think Jesse might have left us. (laughs) But before before our
1: team— I I ran him off with stupid facts. Java. (laughs) You know, questions. By the way, Java and I came up with this thing about answers to questions nobody ever asked. <laughs> and now you can see where it comes from. So what we got, Java? Let's
0: talk to Ronnie in Olive Branch.
1: Ronnie, what's going on, man? You're not very far. Why don't you oh. come on down here to tell? I'm giving another talk here <laughs> at the Collective. I got, I, I, unfortunately, I
7: got to work today. Uh, okay. What I was saying, I listened to you talk about your tomatoes and not growing them. My uh, um, a little humorous thing that my wife. Grandfather did to her. He lived in Memphis, and he kept telling her. He said, "I'm gonna have uh, tomatoes at a certain time of the year, which was actually before they should have been there. You know, like a week ahead of time or two. And she said, "No, nah, Granddaddy, you can't do that." Can to tell, he oh,
1: tell her either, right, sir? Ain't nobody gonna tell her either. No, huh? She just knew what, and, and so they they they
7: always had competition as to who was gonna get the first ripe tomatoes. Well, right. she was at his house and he said, there, look out there. You see my tomatoes? And she said, granddaddy, you can't. And, and he said, well, we'll go out there in a minute. Well, they walked out there and when they got out there, he had a bunch of little red balloons. He had done got her. He, he was a comedian at times, but he was one of the best uh, gardeners she told me that she ever knew. He did a, did an excellent job in what he did in raising, uh, his vegetables. But I just yeah, thought it was a little humorous comment.
1: And, and you honored both of them really well, man. We appreciate it, Ronnie. Thank you, guy.
7: Right. You have a good one. Stay safe, dinner. Bye.
1: Okay. Appreciate it. Ooh, y'all, here. there's a big crowd out here in Clarksdale, and the sun's coming out. It's going to be hot later today, but I'm going to wander up and down these streets because it got, it's going to be – how is it going to be uh, – it, anyway, there's 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 all sorts of stuff going on here in Clarksdale the whole weekend food and vendors and music and and tamales and and e- even a, a new beer that's being made right here right behind, well, my pickup truck is parked in a the, my pickup truck has got its nose in a brewery <laughs> it is a metaphor for life but anyway folks we're live let's have some decorum here a bunch of people yakking you know this is an interesting thing about uh, uh, about you know the cooperative here I got it right didn't I. <laughs> Come on, folks, lighten up. I'm at the we're at the collective. It's at the bottom, bottom end of the main drag going downtown Clarksville. I've got so many cool stuff here. I'm standing on the back of a 1988 Ford F 150 pickup truck that's got Sunflower County tags because it's from Sunflower County. It's been all over the country and has got flowers going to the back. I just wanted to brag though. I've got oregano, rosemary, mint, um, basil, parsley. I could eat roadkill out of this thing, and it's a—it's a, it's just an ultra, and I did this just to prove a point that anybody can garden anywhere. You don't have to be fancy or anything like that. Anyway, if any of you have questions about gardening, step up. we got a microphone, we and we're going to just talk about gardening. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Uh, um, Put it by your mouth. Oh,
4: yeah. It's Hello. a microphone. Hello.
1: Don't be scared. Hello.
4: Yes. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Uh. I just have, I have a tomato comment, uh, just, a, just one little one. Uh, so I'm a, a transplanted Yankee, and I don't like the hot, hot sun. So Neither I do just,
1: tomatoes, by the way. I know. So keep going. But
4: I decided I was going to try a toma- some tomato plants, and I got like a three-foot pot, and I put it on a wrought iron chair. And because I thought the squirrels wouldn't get it. And I, <laughs> and I I had the most beautiful heirloom tomatoes you've ever eaten
1: in your life. And you didn't do anything except put them in a pot on a chair. On a chair. I got degrees on top of degrees and I can't grow tomatoes. <laughs> well, I do to write a book about it. And so
4: anyway, we had great tomatoes. And uh, so my other question is, we live on a lake uh, in uh, Eudora. We've been communicating a little bit,
1: okay so you're Arkansas, you're not even not just from the north, you live in Arkansas, no
4: Mississippi uh, I'm just checking her oh <laughs> I know where I live okay uh, and so we we have an island in the middle of our lake, and we're trying to make a-, a butterfly sanctuary there. It gets only natural rainwater yeah. what Do we treat it like a meadow, or what do we do with it?
1: Can you get out to it pretty easily? We can, by boat. Okay, because at least once a year, you're going to have to go out there and cut out the trees and the vines and stuff like that. Because if it attracts butterflies, it attracts birds, and they're going to drop seeds everywhere. Right. So you're going to have to maintain it as a – you're going to have to stop the plant succession at the flower stage. But anyway, to attract pollinators, the trick is to plant things that we know butterflies and bees and flies and other things like – And you don't have to get fancy. There's books and books and books written on 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 pollinators. All you have to do is put your lantana out there and some zinnias. You can have butterflies. But then you can also start adding other stuff that attract uh, that that they lay their eggs on the host plants, like uh, butterfly weed for the monarchs. Mm -hmm. But if you'll just mix things up, there's I've got a list of about seven or eight plants. You know, uh, I, one time I did a 3,000 square foot butterfly house at the Jackson Zoo where you walk in and have butterflies land on your nose and all that. And we researched it to death, went all over the place looking at all these butterfly plants. And then when we got all these butterflies and had these dozens and dozens of plants, time I wanted to take pictures of the butterflies, they were always on the zinnias. Mm-hmm. So just plant zinnias and okay. then a lantana and then some other stuff and just add them on a few. But, but make it, okay, make it pretty. You know the butterflies are important, but pretty is going to be important. to some of your neighbors who aren't on board with boogering up your island. Okay. Anyway, e- email me. I've uh, it's some real simple things on butterflies. I've had butterflies land in the back of my pickup truck. Matter of fact, there's a lizard living back then. I used to have a a a a, a, a colony of little black ants. You know the ants that come in your kitchen. Oh yeah. Had a bunch of uh, ants, and I knew that because I left a piece of pizza on my truck seat. <laughs> And I could follow the trail all the way down to the tailpipe. <laughs> anyway, I could just see going down, going, down, going down the highway, can you just see at the top of my truck, a little row of ants and the antennas going, wee in the wind. <laughs> but anyway, there's a handful of plants you can put out there right off the bat that will attract them, including some really good natives that come out year after year after year.
4: But what about the water? Is no, somebody no, going to
1: have to go no, water? No, no, just look, look around. You know, Half of Clarksdale is not watered, right. and it's still got pretty plants. Yeah. See, okay. so it's a matter of choosing good plants okay. I don't water my truck I don't this is not watered <laughs> this uh, all that stuff in there if it can't take a month without rain it's gonna get replaced so anyway we got plenty of plants that 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 like it here without artificial life support
0: mm-hmm.
1: really thank you anything else yes sir
0: uh, let's go to the phones we got Joe from East Tennessee on the line
1: Joe what? East Tennessee that's hillbillies man
8: hey Nice to be with you.
1: Last fall, mm-hmm. I bought a house out in the country
8: for, and about five acres. And this last weekend, I built a raised garden. I got a pickup load of topsoil and a bunch of worm castings and mixed it all in and got it beautiful. I think I can plant a telephone pole in there now that will sprout twigs. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I planted a bunch of um, strawberries on one end and I planted uh, tomato plants on another end, and this is a pretty good size raised garden. After I planted those uh, vegetables, I was going to plant some others. Uh, Somebody told me that, well, be careful about how you mix different vegetables because some don't do well next to others. And I was wondering what your advice would be on uh, what plants should not be with other vegetable plants.
1: I think you need to choose better friends. I mean, because the truth is there are, very, there are very few plants that will affect those next to it, but they're rare and, and, and it's it's really almost, it's almost an immeasurable, it's a minuscule point. It's not that big a deal. Don't worry about that. What you do want to worry about if you save seeds, let's say you're going to save seeds from heirloom tomatoes. If you plant different tomatoes side by side and they cross pollinate, the seeds are going to be, hybrids see so but as far as not planting things cyber I I hear it all I hear it all and there is simply there's not enough to that to give it a second thought
8: really oh, good. well good but I had a second question then uh, half my property is, is just wild woods with big tall trees and brush and all course in it and I've been He's walking ch- through it and I noticed I noticed there's some big, thick vines that grow up these trees and look like they're straining them like a bolt constrictor around them. Are those things uh, detrimental to the trees, No, those big vines?
1: No. No. If, uh, If you have a small tree that has a vine around it, as the vine thickens and the tree tries to thicken, it can sort of constrict and strangle a small tree. But I have pictures of trees with, with trees that are centuries old with vines that are centuries old all up in it. And out in the woods, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, it's not that big a deal. you got plenty of trees out there. So if a few get strangled, mm-hmm. they fall down, make a nice little, little habitat for something else. So It's not in the big picture. If you have a, a specific tree that's really valuable and it looks like it's being girdled by a vine or shaded by another tree, then deal with that. But out in the woods, It's, 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 I'm using it every which way again. It's not that big a deal. It's really not. And we, and there's probably about seven different kinds of vines out there. So I was in East Tennessee a couple of weeks ago, by the way, and noticed a bunch of trillium and may apples and, and the early uh, wild flocks and so many terrific native woodland plants out there. So, you know, look at, look at the whole picture and the vines and the trees, they're, they're just working it out.
8: Okay. Well, very good. I won't worry about
1: that, then. All righty. And I appreciate it. Thank you for your call. We're, uh, okay. There's so many things that I hear that are based on, like they say, eggshells are good for your tomatoes. They add calcium. Everybody agrees on Everybody agrees. Google it. Everything says eggshells for tomatoes. And it's simply not true. It's not true. They're made out of calcium carbonate. You can put an eggshell in your dirt and come back 100 years later and the eggshell is still there. But if you crumble it up and an acidic soil starts to eat at that calcium carbonate, it converts into a calcium. That can help your tomatoes, but it takes like 15 years unless you scr- you crumble your eggshells up, mix a little vinegar in with it, which is acetic acid, and it fizzes and it converts it into a usable type of nit- of calcium. But just to them in at the same time, what are you gonna do with them? So we throw them in our compost because they're pretty and they help improve the soil and all. So anyway, it's not that big a deal. But there's so many people buying into myths that are based on extremely narrow. Uh, evidence that's not real life. And I hate to be the of anyway, I want to talk to a gal named Colleen. Colleen, come up here. You got that thing. All I right. forget I forget you last night. And Colleen you, Byers. Okay, now you're real cheerful, so calm down a little bit here. Okay. <laughs> that's she's right. She's from California. She moved here to Clarksdale to save us from ourselves <laughs> by growing food and showing other people I grow food. And you can do it in, in throwaway stuff from cotton gins.
4: That's right. I'm the damn Yankee who won't go home, as I've
1: learned. Uh, Oh, no, no, West Coast. There's a whole different (laughs) term for (laughs) y'all.
4: Exactly, exactly. So I started Shared Experiences precisely to share agriculture with the world, and I've been learning about gin trash. So I was hoping uh, you can share with folks who don't know what gin trash is. Gin trash
1: is compost that's made out of stuff that comes out of the other end of a cotton gin. Okay, from a horticultural point of view, gin trash and compost and manure are all the same thing. They all have the same benefits. They hold soil. I mean, they hold nutrients. They allow drainage. They help during the dry spells. It's just a terrific way to improve the quality of your soil. And it has little microorganisms in it, which is really, really cool. Uh, so anyway, it's a good source of organic matter. My friend Roger Schwain, any of y'all remember the Victory Garden, uh, the guy with the red suspenders. spinners? He said... The further you have to haul something, the less sense it makes. So we haul stuff from Canada, peat moss from Canada, and then we overlook this terrific product that's right here, of, and by the way, country folks used to call it gin motes, M-O-T-E-S. Did you know that? Time to I learn something here. There you go. Gin motes, but co- gin trash is just cotton, and a lot of people say uh, it's got to be poison because cotton is poison. That's not true anymore. Back in the 70s, yeah, I was raised in the Delta. We used to hide from the crop dusters, okay? That's, that stuff is gone now. The stuff we use now degrades quickly, and there's no evidence of any kind of pesticide value. The weeds, a good cotton farm is not going to have a bunch of weeds in it, so you don't have to worry about the old myths about herbicides and insecticides and weeds like we had back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. It's just a whole different ballgame Well, you're nodding, say something.
4: Oh, absolutely. I was nodding because uh, this gin trash came from the locals uh, No Matson Gin, so we have to thank uh, the Flowers family for that. But for anybody in the Delta who has uh, a gin nearby and might want to get some trash, what's the difference between one-year gin trash and three-year gin trash? And for gardeners who know about compost going I, through heat. heat, what should they ask
1: about? Wait a second. I'm out of breath. I climbed to the back of my truck. I'm out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> but look at this. Okay, For folks listening at home, look Felder looks amazing on the back what, of this. What truck. am I doing here? I'm inoculating my truck with gin trash from Coahoma County, Mississippi. How about that?
4: There
1: you go. And if anybody's yeah. driving behind me, <laughs> that's gin trash. There you go. Yeah, get a picture of that. How about this?
4: That's a great Come picture on, quick, right there. All quick, right. Quick, quick, We're quick, We're going to put quick. that online. People can see yeah,
1: it. I'm putting gin trash, folks in my and, and this is a good fertilizer too. It's got a lot of nutrients in it. Anyway, gin trash is compost is manure. Is gin trash is compost manure. The difference is this comes locally. Comes locally.
4: That's right. You Well thank this
1: you, Yeah, no, I'll take this back.
4: Here there we go. go. Watch this. All, All right. Thank you very much.
1: Now, Java, this may not sound like good radio, but I'm having a good time. <laughs>
0: This is perfect, man. We do have another phone call like we normally do in the studio. Um, Marcy, all the way in Ocean Springs, wants to join us this morning.
1: Thank you, Colleen. Hey, Thank
2: Marcy. You. Good morning. Hey, children. I hope it's as pretty there as it is here on the coast.
1: It's pretty here. And that, but I tell you, yeah, it's, it is gorgeous. Are <laughs> what, yeah, Mar- Marcy, one of the things I was starting to tell earlier about the collective is you get people to come here, and the only thing a lot of us have in common, I mean, there's old and young and black and white and male and female and gay and straight. There's all sorts of things. The only thing we have in common is we love our flowers. Love our flowers. <laughs> and I appreciate weirdos coming out today. So what's, what's mm-hmm. up, lady?
2: Okay, so I want to know. What's up? Um, last, last year, at the end of April, whenever I went up to the Metro Master Gardener, a native plant sale. I, I got some red buckeye plants and I haven't put them in the ground yet. I want to. They're about a foot tall and I have three of them. And I, should I not put them in the backyard? Because my sister has two little dogs and I know that the trees, the shrubs are toxic and those little pods oh. that they produce, you know? I don't know if I should put them in the back or in the front yard where there are kitty cats, but I think a cat's less likely to bite into a big seed pod than a dog would be.
1: Get, get you some chicken wire or, a, or one of these uh, the paper uh, towel rolls or anything like that and put around the trunk. Go ahead and put them out there. Uh, toxic is a matter of dosage over time. Those dogs have to eat a lot of red bud to throw them back up. So uh. I wouldn't worry about that. I would worry about what the dogs would do to the redbud rather than what the redbud would do to the dogs. (laughs) Okay, so so
2: you say it's okay to put them then in the backyard?
1: No, I'm saying put them wherever you want them, wherever you want a redbud tree, put it there. But keep in mind, they will grow in the sun, but you never see them growing naturally along a a fence row out in the country. You see them naturally at the edge of the woods. They'll do okay in the full sun. I didn't say redbud. I said red buckeye. Well, buckeye must have shade. Buckeye must have shade. Okay. Buckeye, yeah. I, I grow buck. I have bucket. Where I took my leaf blower and, and blew all the buckeye seeds in my flower beds, I must have three, three dozen buckeye trees I got to pull when I get home. But it must have oh, shade. Wow. But don't, worry about, don't worry about the toxicity, really. I mean, I'm not trying to, to downplay real threats because i care about the environment i care about my health and pets and all that but it's not that big a deal put them where the dogs aren't going to booger them up in the shade
2: all right i have i have two more quick questions um there is a a spot in my yard that has a crepe myrtle growing out one side of the plant area and then the other side is some type of oak i think it might be red oak but the red oak is like half the size of the crepe myrtle should I try should I do away with one and keep the other or should I just let them let them go on like they are
1: well if you don't do anything the oak is is going to is going to take over or uh, crepe myrtles so really don't do over. that well in heavy shade. The oak is going to crowd it out sooner or later. If you want a crepe myrtle, okay. you're going to have to get rid of the oak. But keep in mind, crepe myrtles are, are susceptible to this new bark scale. Down the road, it may not be a great idea. I would dig the crepe myrtle up while it's still small and put it where it has half a chance to grow and let the oak do its okay. thing.
2: Okay, I didn't think about relocating it. That's a great idea. Last question: Do you know of a vine that grows in the shade?
1: Yeah. Yeah, one of our best native vines right now is blooming right now. It's a, it's a native. It's called coral honeysuckle. It's a red honeysuckle native, and it grows great. It's, it's a it's a native woodland plant. It grows great in the shade. I took a picture of a neighbor's the other day in 100% shade, full bloom, but, but the red native coral honeysuckle there.
2: Okay. That's not the same thing as the trumpet vine, is it?
1: No, ma'am. Red okay. coral honeysuckle, trumpet vine or trumpet creeper blooms in the summer, cross vine blooms in the winter, but this is the native red coral honeysuckle. Google it. You'll okay. see. You'll seen okay. it all your life and just didn't know what it was. Okay. But it's a great I want to
2: look for it. Okay. Well, oh. I, hope, I hope I see you when I come to the, the sale again, the Metro oh. native okay. plant well, sale.
1: Okay. Well, that's in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, in, yeah. uh, so, anyway, appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, Java. How we doing, man?
0: All right. You need to tell the good people who came out here. You enjoyed their presence, you, and then wrap, the, wrap up the show.
1: Is it time to wrap it up?
0: It's, uh, we're getting a hard wrap. Okay. So okay. let's it's wrap time, the show. It's
1: time to go. Folks, I appreciate you coming out here. Y'all saw me. Don't tell anybody you saw me actually doing some gardening. But you saw me, this old guy, actually getting dirty. Go forth and do the same. I'll, I'll be back here at either 2 or 3. I can't remember. 2 o'clock, and I'm going to be holding forth with some real, real hardcore stuff. Y'all come on back. See y'all at two. Thank y'all, Clarksville.
5: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.